Today, I want to talk to you about making room in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our work, in our church. What does that look like? What's that feel like? What's the Bible teach about it? I was praying all week long, and the Lord just dumping scriptures into my heart about this moment, about today, about celebrating wins with you, to celebrate not just where we're going, but where we're at. It's special. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, if you're a believer here today, the scripture is simple. It's saying, let your light shine. You know, so many times I feel like when the Lord looks at our lives, we he may see things like this, like when the, the right kind of crowd comes along, we uncover our light and we're salty again. And when the kind of crowd that you know is not okay with your beliefs, you cover it up again. It would almost be like in your home, your nightstand. Imagine if you had a nightstand and it was lit, you took your, your blanket and you covered it. What do you have when you cover it? Darkness. See, the, the teaching here, a lot of times we, we focus on the outward expression of this passage, being the salt and being the light in the world. But I think there's a personal side to this equation. Verse 15 says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Do you know how ridiculous that looks? Your nightstand with a bowl on top of it. Why would you do that? But instead, we are to what? Put it on a stand. And it gives light to who? Just yourself? No, to everyone in the house. There's a personal responsibility as followers of Jesus to let our light shine. There's a personal responsibility to let our life be salty. How many of you guys like McDonald's fries? Love it, right? Pretty good. Imagine dumping salt on your fries, and you kept going, and you kept going, and it's no salt at all. You got a mound of salt over your fries, and it's not salty at all. I wonder if that's what our lives look like between Monday and Saturday. There's a lot of salt, but no salt flavor. A lot of Christian behavior, a lot of Christian customs, rules and regulations, but no impact. Luke 14, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or the maneuver pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. 
It's important to be salty and to be filled with light again. Not just for the world outside these walls, and I know that's, a, that's definitely a commission, a great commission, and we're all about it. But how's your light and how's your salt? Someone asked me uh, the, the other week, what's your agenda here as a pastor? I kind of listed four things and I kind of told them in a nutshell, it's four things. I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom from the addictions and the things and the, the chains in your life. I want you to discover your purpose of why you exist and why on earth are you doing what you're doing right now. And I want you to make a difference. Well, that's too simple, pastor. That's too simple, but why is it time and time again when Monday morning hits, when the tires hit the road, we retreat as Christians? People wouldn't know. The truth is the world thinks that church people are hypocrites. The church people are fake. The church people are the least happiest people to be around. Church people are legalistic, full of rules. When Jesus was walking in liberty and freedom, we are walking with rules and regulations. How can we switch? Genesis 6, 5 to 8 gives us that answer. See, and a lot of times we as Christians, we retreat because of what we think people think of us. Now, I don't care how long you've been with the Lord. You get you around the right person, you're intimidated, you're real quiet. You get into the right scenario, you're quiet about your faith, you don't really want to say nothing. And I'm not saying go to the corner of the of university circle and hold picket fences and tell everybody that they're going to H-E-L-L. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Beat people with Bibles, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying everything inside of you should be directed at what the Lord is wanting for your life. Is it or is it not? There's nothing in between. It's a yes or a no. There's no gray. There's no hit pause in the plan of God for your life. And he's waiting around for you until you have a better time. When you figure out a better season and you have better finances and better realities in your life. See, there was another season in the Bible that was like the world we live in today. It was simple. We always think that 2018 is so complex and we're so profound, we're so modern. Does the Lord speak to us through the word of God today? And he does. See, there was another time that the world was full of wickedness, real intimidating wickedness. Check the scripture out. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. See, evil was celebrated similar to where we're at. The Lord was grieved that he made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. His heart. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air. Wow. For I am grieved that I have made them. That sounds like a lot of evil to me. You've got to grieve God's heart so much. Can you imagine being a Christian at that time? It's so intimidating. It reminds me of living as a Christian today, going into your workplace, 
going into your schools, going into the streets of Cleveland, recognizing that everybody has given up on the church. Churches are shutting down nonstop. Pastors are falling out like flies. People are leaving the ministry. Young people don't think that this is relevant anymore. People are celebrating icons in our culture. They're Christians celebrating people more than Jesus. So this is not about church. This is about us, you and me. Individually, the favor of God in our life. What are we doing with our gifts, our talents, our time? And I'm not even going to talk about the treasures. What are you doing where you're placed? Are you following Jesus? Do you believe that you can make a difference? And I love this about us. We always need a team to do everything. You know, my wife and I love, um, love to hang out, but there's one thing I don't like to do with Audrey. I do not like to go grocery shopping. I do not. And we think a lot of times, just, just like that, that Christianity is a team sport. We have to huddle up and we have to be in twos and threes. That's what the scripture teaches. You can't go out there on your own and make a difference. God forbid you're the only Christian in your workplace. How can you change it? That's the same as the scripture in Genesis chapter five, six. That's what was going on. But I love the end of that verse. It says this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. One person found favor in the eyes of the Lord. One person is the reason why you and I are sitting here today. One person, not a church, not a denomination, not a group, not an individual, but one person. So what's in your hands? Are you holding it like this before the Lord? Are you holding it like this? Are you walking before the Lord and saying to him, God, I will make a difference if this, 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 this come in play. I'll make a difference once I'm done my master's degree, and then I'll do what you're telling me to do. I'll make a difference once I get $20,000 in my account, and then I'll do I'll make a difference once the kids grow up and they go to college. I'll make a difference once they finish college because i got to pay for college now. The ifs. See, it's our first fill-in today. I can make a difference. You can make a difference. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For when David had served God's purposes in his own generation... He fell asleep. It didn't say he died. It said he fell asleep. So many times as Christians, we're waiting for eternity. We're just clocked in. We're like, I can't wait to heaven. 
I can't wait to get there. I can't wait till it's happening up there. Do you know what we're going to be doing in heaven? We're not going to be paying bills. We're not going to be chit-chatting and gossiping or not or loving each other. We're going to be serving Jesus. That's what's going to happen. So what are we waiting for here? Just like David, we are to assign our lives to make a difference. It should be something like a transition when we pass away. We should fall asleep and wake up and say hello again. I've been walking with you on earth, and now it's in heaven. I wonder if that's what the Lord is saying, on earth as it is in No, but we're just, we don't have enough time. Yvonne, we don't have enough time. Things are too complicated nowadays, Pastor. So why do we need to make a difference? Why? Why does it matter? For those of us, here's the first reason, if you're asking the reason why. It's for those closest to us. Genesis 7-1 says, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Do you know your decision today spiritually impacts your family? Do you know that your righteousness can actually help someone in your family, in your household, take their next step? Did you know that? Acts 16 verse 31 says, believe in the Lord and you will be saved you and your household. So is that literally saying when you pray a prayer that all of a sudden your whole house is saved? That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you decide to go after Jesus, guess what happens at home? They follow. Some of us are praying time and time again about lost people in our families, in our homes, for your kids. If you will just allow the Holy Spirit to make your life the difference, you don't have to bring them to church. It'll happen in your house. It'll happen at at the dinner table. It'll happen when you're just hanging out. Because people in your home and in your world is going to wonder, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep serving after I'm so mean to you? Why do you keep forgiving after I've been so unforgiving to you? Why do you keep loving when my heart is full of hate and you know what you're going to say? Because God's given me the grace to do it. God's put something inside of me to make an impact to those closest to me. The second is this, for my generation, and I'm not talking about your age. I'm talking about this generation. Jeremiah 15, 19, you are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. Some of us, we know our political stance more than we have a love for Jesus. Literally, we are Republican or Democrat first before we are Christian. We are an American first before we are a citizen of heaven. I got news for you. God doesn't have a customs border office in heaven. He's now checking your passport when you get there. He's not checking if you got a green card or not. He's not doing any of that stuff. You want to know why? Because the kingdom of heaven is bigger than our rules and our laws. Now, that doesn't mean that we disobey it and we go crazy. And that doesn't mean that Republicans better than Democrats or Democrats better than this person or that person. That's not what that means. 
What that means is your allegiance needs to be unto the Lord. And you are to influence them. It's time that we have lawyers and political people from this church influence the city of Cleveland. It's time that we rise up and we say we can impact society. We don't have to huddle up and be scared because we're the puny, weak Christians. We have the Lord of Lords on our side. For my science people in here, God can give you wisdom for the next cure. Have you been asking him? For my business people in here, what product do you need? Ask the Holy Spirit. He will show you. Because it's not about making money. It's about advancing the kingdom. Influencing culture for this generation. Number three, for God. My goodness, we do this for New Song Church. We do this because Pastor Clint said so, or another preacher, or another denomination, or another leader in our lives. But we do this for God. I can make a difference for God. Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf. Did you guys catch that? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He wants to show himself strong in your life. We don't serve a weak God. He wants to show off in your life. Will you let him? Luke 14, 15 through 18. Jesus, on the Sabbath day, heals somebody. He's at dinner. And the Pharisees say, looking at him all weird, giving him the, the stank eye. Be like, are you going to heal somebody on, on a Sabbath day? And he finishes having this conversation with this group of people at the dining table. And one gentleman asks him this question. So when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, Jesus saying to this man, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. I don't know about you, but it sounds like us today, including your pastor, by the way. So we're so good at excuses, at making excuses, we call them reasons. (laughs) We tell the Lord, now is not the time, and we say, here's the reason. Here's the diagnosis. Here's the essay that I wrote, God, for you to reconsider your timing so that I could make a difference today. No, no not today, God. I got to figure out my Christianity first. I, I got to be more perfect. I got to figure out all this stuff. I mean, I gotta, I mean, I'm not even a member at New Song Church. How am I supposed to make a difference? The Lord's saying, you can. See, these were legitimate reasons And I want to talk about these reasons before we close today. Really quick. Three reasons that hold us back 
from making room in our lives for Jesus to move in our homes, in our families, in our church, in our community. Three reasons. One is this, living a life without margin. Living a life without margin. Verse 18 says this, they, the first person that the servant approached said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. This person just bought a piece of land and had to. He said, I must go. I wonder how many times in our lives, in my life, I've said to the Lord, God, I must do this before I say yes to you. We are too busy, America. We are too busy. We have no margin in our lives. If you're a millennial in here, research is showing that millennials love multiple businesses. They love doing like one, two, three, four, five things. Here's the problem. We're an inch wide. That's the problem. There's no depth to it because there's no margin in our life. We're always telling the Lord when he's saying, come to the party, the party is ready. We're always telling him, we're just too busy, God. You know that prayer meeting on August 26th? We're, I mean, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I think I'm busy. How are things going? <laughs> really good. Busy. We thrive on saying we're busy. And if you're not busy, you're not looked at someone who is a Christian. Because apparently Christians have to read and write and learn. And No. Do you have margin in your life that the Lord can use to make a difference? He said, I must go out and see it. I must go out. I must get this degree. If not, I will never become a doctor. God, you told me to be a doctor. If I don't get this, I must. I have to do this. But you told me to do this. Pause and go and do something. Oh, no. I must do this. He was, here's, here's our takeaway. We've got to learn how to say no. You're more worried about what other people think and how much money you have. It's never going to be enough. Do what the Lord's calling you to do, but you have to have margin. There are things in our lives that have no eternal significance. We are more pleasing our clients and the people that have no eternal significance, and we're letting God down down by living a life without margin. Here's the second reason, fear of the past. Verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. That's pears. This person is pretty, pretty much a business person here. He's pretty wealthy. He's pretty well-to-do. He knows strategy. He knows leadership. He knows what he's doing. And check out this. I got to go examine them. This is the kind of person that has to always know what God is up to before you actually do it. Hey, before I say yes to God, let me go check my bank account. 
Before I say yes to God, let me go check my credentials. Before I say yes to that church, I know it's only like two minutes from my house, let me go make sure that that preacher preaches like I talk to myself. That's real deep, isn't it? So I'll drive like 45 minutes to go to someone that I like hearing. And I won't make a difference. Why? Because we have a fear of the past. Lord told me specifically when I was praying over this message, there are people here today that you have given up making a difference because when you stepped out in faith, nothing happened. 2003, 1997, 2009, 2015. When you stepped out in faith and you said, okay, God, you're asking me to do this and you put a little foot out there, nothing happened. And so now you're like, it don't work. I've tested it. I've examined this. This thing doesn't work. I mean, it's good morals and everything like that, but other than that, it doesn't work. It's time that we understand that the fear of the past needs to be left in the past. Leave the past in the past and move forward into all that God has for you. Stop worrying about everybody else. Stop worrying about what your spouse needs to do and what your kids need to do and what your neighbor needs to do and what your friend needs to do or what your church needs to do. You worry about you and see what God will do in the world. It's amazing. Leave the past in the past. The third is this. I'm moving through this stuff quickly so we can all get to lunch because I know everyone's hungry. Amen. Amen. Verse 20 says this, and another said, I have married a wife. He who finds a wife findeth a good thing. Amen. Brownie points. Ladies, if you're sitting next to your husband and they said amen and yes, amen. And check this out. And therefore... I married a wife, and therefore, notice the difference in this conversation. And therefore, I cannot come. This person was an expert. I mean, I just got married. Do you want me to tell my wife no? How many of you gentlemen in here would tell your wife no? Anybody? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. That's why you're sitting in the back. Amen. Just giving you some pointers here. Just trying to help you out. See, next week, um, my wife and kids are coming into town. I'm going to go drive. And they're finally moving to Cleveland. So guess, guess, what, guess what I did? I, I cleared my calendar. Right? I cleared my calendar. Why? Because I don't want to say no to this beautiful pregnant lady. I don't want to be like, where are you going? Uh, on the handle of the door, uh, I got a meeting. Because she's going to be like, well, why did you bring me all the way here if you got a... Excuses, right? See, this is the person that has misplaced priorities and misplaced your first love. 
See, there, there's times in our lives where we're praying and believing God, you know, so many healings and so many miracles in our congregation. And we're praying for these miracles and we're praying for that baby. Lord, give us a baby. I'm praying for the baby. Lord, we're believing for a child. And, and you have this, this altar set up in your life and the Lord's front and center of your plea. And you're praying and you're fasting and people are praying with you. And the Lord is center stage of your life. He's your first love. And then the miracle comes. He does provide for you. The child does come. Things do happen. And guess what we do? We take the Lord off and we take the miracle and we put it on there. And we misplace our first love. God, I just, I just got married. Isn't that more important? We come up with reasons to tell the Lord, time out, before we make a difference, what about this, God? So we've got to learn to not put the miracles of God on the throne of our heart. That's why some of us can't worship when the music style is not our style. When the preaching or the teaching or the graphics or the the way that things smell or the, the lighting in the professional church. You know, one day, I've said this before, we'll have all that stuff, but if you can't worship here now, if you can't worship in the streets of Cleveland without worship music, without a preacher, then what are we doing? Who's your first love? So your pastor had to ask that question again this week for myself. God, am I really in love with you or am I in love with all the miracles? You know, we had a sheet full. A lot of adrenaline rush. God's doing things. But am I in love with you? Am I tenderhearted? Am I still coming to the Lord and saying, God, I just long to be in your presence. I just long to be with you. Regardless of what I do for a living, God, am I with you? Luke 14, 21 to 24, the story keeps going. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. <laughs> he told, him, told the master about the three reasons of why people couldn't make it. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. See, there's, there's no stopping this invitation. It's a yes or a no. The master had a plan all along and the table was so big that there was so much room that he made the invite to anybody and everybody. See, so many of us can be in church and we can sit here in the presence of God and we take it for granted again and again and again and the Spirit of God is here and he's speaking to each one of us and we take it for granted again and again and we think that it's just outside. I don't have to interact with it. But I'm here to tell you that the invite is not forever. What do I mean by that? God has a purpose for your life. Yes, there are second chances. 
but the truth is, don't let your chance go by. As a church, there's a danger of being inward focused. Pastor, we got this wrong. This is happening. What about this? What about that? There's always something wrong. But I don't care. You want to know why I don't care? Because there's 40,000 people in this zip code. 40,000 people in this zip code. 1.2 million people in the Cleveland area. You think our problems are big? God has a mission, and it starts with you and I. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded, I have done, and there's still more room. I wonder what it's like to be the servant. Let's be like, man, those guys missed out on the party. Go out to the highways, the master says, and the hedges and the byways and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. See, in our lives, do we have room? God can use you. If there's room... God can use you. See, it was uh, about January of this year, and we were praying. I was praying. I was fasting before the Lord. The Lord had given us a dream to plant a church, and we were moving towards that dream in Texas. And ironically, the Lord is saying, Hey, here's the vision, here's the values, here's the model. Here's all that stuff. But Audrey and I would pray, and we would not get a name for the church. Now, that is so weird, because in church planning world, you kind of need a name. Can't just start a church without a name. No-name church. <laughs> it's like a quaint at Walmart, you know? The no-name brand. So I was praying, and the Lord, I was just ministering to a friend in California, he was a couple hours back, and it was about 11.30, got off the phone, and the Lord said, don't go to sleep. I was pretty tired that day. I was like, Lord, I need to sleep. He said, don't go to sleep. I want you to go on Google. I want you to go and find a church in northeast Dallas. Dallas is about 40 minutes away from Fort Worth. Fort Worth is a neighboring city kind of east-west. And I go and I search. I do a search. Churches in northeast Dallas. He tells me to go to this church website. And I click on the website. And the Lord says, go to the messages, the online messages. I'm like, this is weird. What did I eat? I mean, I'm a pretty logical person. Like, what is this? It's about 1.30 at this point. I go to the first message. Nope. Second message, no. I said, well, I guess it must be a guest speaker on the video messages, right? So I go to a guest speaker and listen for nine minutes and no. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me, God? Am I making this stuff up? I'm just like you guys. I'm just being honest. 
I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. And the Lord says, go back to it. It's a message right next to the guest speaker's message. And I go click the message. And the preacher was preaching this scripture. And he began to speak. And I remember like my knees were locked and my hands were on the phone. And, and he was speaking and he was speaking another message. Okay. And there came a point in the message where the Lord told me, Clint, you have said yes to the idea of what you think I have for you. I was like, what are you talking about, God? I said yes to planting. For months we've been preparing. He said, you need to say yes to me, not to the thing I have for you. That's what the Lord told me. That the banquet table is already prepared. It's already prepared. All I need to do is to say yes. See, that's what these three people didn't understand. All you have to do is go to the table. All we have to do to make a difference is go to what the master has already prepared. We don't have to be anybody other than ourselves. Months later, you guys have heard the story. An opportunity came up. And if it wasn't for this scripture at 2.30 in the morning, me weeping. I don't weep. I'm talking about just ugly cry. You know, just, I mean, snot everywhere. I'm hoping Audrey doesn't come around the corner. Just before the Lord, just there. (laughs) Months later, actually six weeks later, I get this phone call from the chairman of a committee in New Song Church. And I'm like, I don't know anybody in in Cleveland. What am I doing? I'd even told Audrey. And Audrey's like, what are you doing to these people, these poor people? And I take up the phone call and I was supposed to say thank you so much because I already said yes and just kind of pull my name out and say it was supposed to be a 15 minute phone call. Ended up being 90 minutes. And that was a terrible first date. I'm just being honest. I didn't think they were going to call back. Nor did they, I think. (laughs) Because there were others on the list. So as the thing progressed, we came here in March and we didn't speak and we just started feeling like, oh my goodness, is this the reason why the Lord didn't give us a church name? I copy pasted my vision for the church that the Lord gave for our church plant and I sent it to the search committee. And that moved their hearts. So they said, okay, well, what did you think about coming in? So a week before coming here, I prayed about it. Came here May 6th, we prayed. I said, Lord, I'll say yes. And this is how average Joe I feel. I just want to be honest with you. I said, I'm only going to do it if it's 100% vote. No one knew that. So if you guys... 
you guys, if it was 99%, your pastor would not be here. So I had already been warned that there's probably going to be at least one, two, three, at least one. I mean, someone's got to say no. I mean, you're too young to be a lead pastor. Someone's got to have some sense. (laughs) And so the Lord, we're sitting back there in the room and we get the yes. And I'm like bawling my eyes out a little bit. And you guys came and gave me a LeBron James jersey, (laughs) which I put it away, which I put it away. I put it away. Don't worry. But here's the thing. The week before I moved here, I had one Sunday off from my last church. One Sunday. And I decided I'm going to go to that church. The church in Northeast Dallas. I'm like, I'm going to go there. It's a large church. It's about 5,000 people. Got a couple campuses. And it was Father's Day. The girls aren't with me. I'm feeling lonely. All this stuff's going inside of me. I'm driving, I pop on the live service because, you know, churches now have live services online. You can watch it. And I found out that the pastor's not preaching. I was like, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. And I was about to turn around and the Lord says, no. It takes an hour to get there. So it's four services on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, Lord, I missed the third service. And if I go now, I'll be kind of way too early. (laughs) You guys are going to think I'm crazy. So I drive there. I kind of turn in the wrong lane. I come back in. I get to the right lane. The parking lot attendants are telling me to come in. I go to the wrong door, hit the wrong door, go down this hallway in the back of the church, open that door. That door is locked. You know, it's one of those like they're trying to control traffic churches. And as I yanked it, it was so hard. I have a habit of pulling doors too hard. I yanked it so hard, like it was like the entrance of the church and everyone kind of shook everyone, scared everyone a little bit. And right then, the pastor of the church was walking by. So I opened the door, walk in, (laughs) and he comes right up to me. He said, I was just driving in from the other campus. I was speaking there this morning. There's someone else speaking here. Is this your first time here today? I said, it is. And he said, so what's your story? I said, you're not going to believe me. (laughs) And I told him what I told you guys. And I told him that his message is now going to impact Cleveland. One person can make a difference. I said that to say, you don't know how all of these things work out, guys. There are things in motion that you might never know, but your obedience puts it into motion. That's what we need to do. Amen? Say yes to the invite. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you so much for your presence. Lord, I know we're going a little longer today, God, but I just pray right now for your presence to visit us and to change us from the inside out, God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling right now 
who may be in a place of saying their past, their past God dictates that they don't take another chance. I pray for strength and for grace and for courage to believe, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, for the person who's far from you, who's had a relationship with you before. I pray right now that your spirit begin to draw them in closer, Lord. God, I pray right now through your cross there would be freedom in this room. God, I pray for the person who's been hurt by a fellow church member. For the person that actually decided to make a difference and get someone else involved and they burned them, God. I pray that you would give my brother or sister the strength to forgive that person. Father, I pray for the memories that people are carrying. Lord, I pray for those that have been physically abused that maybe the people that abused them used to go to church and now it's hindering them from church, from you. pray for your love and your embrace to be right with them right now. And I pray for the needs of our people, the ones that are struggling to foot, put food on the table and wondering where you are, God. The ones that can't afford to live, would you provide for them? Would you be seen as Jehovah Jireh? Lord, help us to make room for you. Lord, we want to be used not to be famous or to be seen, but we want to make a difference for those closest to us, for our generation, and for you, God. So would you do what only you can do? If you're here today and you're far from God and you're feeling these nudges in your heart, I want to tell you, friend, that it is not a person, a message, or music. It's the Spirit of God. And if that's you today, I want you to just take your next step right where you're at and decide to follow Jesus. Would you say yes to His invite to be part of your life? Just say yes, and He will come into your life and he will change your life. For those in here that are believers and you're living a life of mediocrity, and there's really not much happening in your life, things are good, would you allow the Holy Spirit to be part of your life? 
Would you allow margin in your life, the decisions that you make, to be based on what He is saying for you to do? Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, let's put our hands together for what the Lord is doing in our church. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I want you to pull this flyer out from your worship guide, from your worship bulletin. I want to challenge you, hopefully I've challenged you in your personal life to make room for God in your personal life. Now I want to challenge you as a pastor of this church to make room in your life to help our church. This is our church. This is not my church. This is not any person's church. This is no leadership team church. This is our church. Amen? Amen. On this flyer, it's a red one. It looks just like this. This listed a number of areas. I'm asking all of us to do something. And that is to serve once or twice a month. Why? Because we are making room for Cleveland. That's what's happening. And we need your help. We got babies galore happening. Partly because we're making them in-house. <laughs> and, and the other side of it is, I just feel like, I just feel like our church is going to have a lot of young families coming. Amen. Amen. I just really do. Hallelujah. You know, I've heard a couple of visions of kids running around the hallway and and uh, one person said, you know, someone was trying to stop them, and this person jumped in the way and said, don't stop the kids. I like that. But we need to do what God is calling us to do. So here's the three areas, the next generation, first impressions team, and auditorium team. Next generation, elementary, preschool, toddler, nursery, we need parents with those kids to help out and we need those that are passionate about kids if you don't like kids we will put you in the child check-in area where you just have to see them for five minutes and push them into the room but we need your help new song youth ministry is kick-starting again in september and our team is planning and preparing right now to do that. There's a small group. There's an activity every month. Things are moving forward. I think a lot of us can make an impact in the next generation. If that's you today, I want you to fill this out and I want you to meet Diane right back there next to the fireplace. In case anyone's worrying why there's a fireplace there, we inherited it with the building. Okay? That's not a design feature. So meet her at the fireplace and she will run a background check and driver's license, all that application stuff, and get you plugged in right away. The second is this first impressions team. We need greeters. We need more hospitality cafe people. Even though Sunny's awesome, she would take more help, right? We need a connect center team. 
We need a parking team to help people park in the new striped parking lot. You know, they say in in church world, they say that a visitor makes a decision whether to be part of a church within the first seven minutes of visiting a church. They haven't heard me preach. They haven't heard them sing. They haven't even walked into it. It's going to be the parking lot. We need people greeting people, loving on people, hugging people, making sure it's safe as well. We shouldn't have bumper cars out there, you know. The ushers, we need ushers. We need to help with communion that's going to help kind of manage the flow and kind of work these things, more people. Auditorium, we need more people on the worship team and music. There is an audition for it. Yes, that's true. So if you can't sing, you're, I'm just telling you, don't bother the worship leaders. Come talk to me. You cannot be on the worship team, but we will find you another spot. So if you're musically inclined, we need you on the team. We're doing something. Media team, if you like technology and you want to be back there, one day we're going to have a whole bunch of technology here. It's going to happen. One day we're going to be doing a live feed to the Orange Campus or another campus. There's going to be screens dropping. There's going to be lights. There's going to be a haze. It's going to be like a party in here. Okay? Some of you guys are like, no. Keep the fog away. We're, we're not going to create fog. It's just a light haze. A light haze. We need a communion team. We need a prayer team. You know, if you're not part of the board, we want to train you to pray with people. It's not just going to be the board that prays. Amen. We want to empower you to pray with people, but we're going to train you how to do that. And then we're going to do the journey track team. So some of you guys have been waiting for this moment. Journey Track is going to be our membership process here at New Song Church on September 26th at 7 p.m. For three weeks in a row, we're going to offer the three tracks, which we're calling the Journey Track for membership here. And so if you want to know more about the church, more about a new song, more about what we believe, what denomination we're part of, what we believe about baptism, all this fun stuff, What about deepening your relationship with God, serving, all that thing, all those things. Journey track starting September 26th, 7 p.m. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let's stand up on our feet. Thank you so much for listening to me for a long time today, okay? I promise it's not going to be this long in the future. I'm praying that God places his favor on your life. Can I pray over you before we're dismissed? God, I pray for favor and blessing on each person in their week, in their home, in their schools, in their lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m.